Hello, hello, and welcome to Hotline Offline. I'm your host, Esther Choi. I'm a chef who's worked in numerous kitchens and currently running several of my own. And throughout it all, I've gotten a lot of practice at problem solving in the kitchen and answering burning questions. And today we're doubling down and focusing on one of the most popular baked goods this time of the year, and really all year round, cookies. We're joined by Jesse Shevchik, food stylist and cookbook author, whose newest book, Cookies, The New Classics, features 100 modern, exciting, and simple recipes that promise to redefine your favorite cookie classics. So he's the perfect person to hop on the call and answer some of the most pressing cookie questions. Hi, Jesse. Hello. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. So excited to chat with you about all things cookies. What got you into writing a book about cookies? On the food selling side, I was very interested in essentially just making like a coffee table art book. And I kept going back to cookies because I feel like it's this very like accessible, familiar, comforting thing for anybody. Mm -hmm. And opportunity to infuse cookies with like so much uh, like ideas and like new flavors and like put them in such like unusual places and like scenes that it was kind of like the perfect blending of like familiar like what we want what we want to bake and what we feel comfortable with like this like new take and I feel like it was like the perfect little vessel. I love that. And also cookies are obviously very beautiful to look at. So it is kind of the perfect coffee table book as well. So it's like a combo of both. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Hi, this is Arti and I'm calling with a question. There are so many different types of cookies. There are the slice and bake cookies, the rolled cookies, and the drop in shape cookies. Can you talk a little bit about all the different types that are out there? Sure, yeah, totally. So the slice and bakes, we can kind of categorize almost with shortbread style cookies. Mm -hmm. So this kind of dough um, has more of a crumbly texture. You can like squeeze it and form it into shapes. And that has a crumbly, firm texture, like straight out of the oven. It's not gonna be very tasty, but let it cool off and it has like a perfect sandy texture. And so slice and bakes is essentially that dough formed into a log. You can stash in your fridge or freezer and slice it. So then the drop cookies is kind of what I think most people are familiar with. So it's like chocolate chip cookie dough. It is sugar cookie dough. It's any dough that is kind of a bit softer. You can scoop into with a cookie scoop, roll into a ball and plop on your sheet. That's uh, the roll the, or roll or sometimes like scoop and bake, they call them. Um, then, of course, there's like bar cookies, which are contained cookies, which helps because, you know, the sides of the vessel hold them. So it's a great starting one. So like blondies even categorize into this family. Um, so yeah. bars are bars are kind of considered cookies as well. Yeah, I think maybe it's like a creative take. But in my cookie book, I did let that slide. <laughs> I think so, though, because like a lot yeah. of them are shortbread based. A lot of them are. Yeah, they're very similar. And then there's like, I guess, this other category that I kind of loop in with meringues. And it's like cookies that rely on eggs. And so meringues are like an obvious one. But then I think also like, you know, those brownie cookies that are really shiny and crackly. They're very similar. So. I feel like that's its own whole separate category in my book. 
Hi, my name is Nicole, and my question is, how do I get that shiny crackle on top of my cookie? Mm, okay, to break this down, like uh, crackle and then the shine are two different things. So shine, I think, comes from two things. If it's an egg-based cookie, like I was talking about, an egg, like a cookie that relies on whipped eggs for volume, you're going to get that. And then second, more commonly, it just comes down to an excess of sugar in the cookies, Because, like, if there is a lot of sugar in cookie dough, it will, like, essentially rise to the top and create that crackle. People will say, like, oh, to get a shiny top and brownies, do this and do that. But it just comes down to sugar content. So if you're looking at a recipe and it has, like, a really high proportion of sugar, you're more likely to get that shine. And then for the cracks, outside of the cookie needs to cook and dry out and set before the inside. Because then it's, like, essentially ripping through the dough that has set. So that happens when you bake at a slightly higher temperature. It's like 375 helps you achieve that. You know, if you're doing like a crinkle cookie and you really want that, I suggest like really, really whipping your butter and sugar, really whipping your eggs because you're like forcing air into it, which will like rapidly expand and like rip that exterior. Got it. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. So it, it kind of almost depends on the actual recipe because you need to know like the right sugar amount. Totally. I think like with cookies, there's like been this kind of desire to almost like oversimplify like general rules, but it's almost like it's complicated. A lot of these answers. I had a quick question because whenever I bake cookies, they always seem to bake outward. And I was wondering if there's some tips on how to make them bake up rather than spreading out to the sides. I feel like this is a common mistake. You bake your cookie, it just like spreads and it just like melts. And then the center is kind of lumpy and the ends are like too crispy and it's not very even. Sure. Yeah. The biggest factor here is temperature, both the temperature of the oven and then the temperature of the dough. I think like a lot of times people will chill cookie dough, you know, even if the recipe doesn't necessarily say to, and then that's going to affect the spread because Chilling the dough is like solidifying the fat, so mostly the butter in the cookie dough. And so if right. it's cold, it's going to melt slower. So you'll get more of a rounded cookie versus flat. But if, say, your cookie sheet is still warm from previous batch, say your oven is too hot, it's going to spread a lot faster. So you bake off a batch of cookies and they spread too much, like you're saying. I would say pop the dough into the fridge until it's solid. So it usually takes about two hours. And then bake another test one because that will control the spread like quite a bit. Got it. Awesome. So does that mean that uh, frozen cookie dough batter works better? Or do you think that it's a regular like cold temperature is best? That's one of the ones that I think is like a complicated answer because <laughs> I think a lot of people want to make cookie dough and then freeze it or store mm-hmm. it in the fridge and stuff. And my rule of thumb is, so if the recipe does not say to do that, you can get away with doing it, but then bring those chilled dough balls to room temperature before you bake them. And it will like mimic freshly making the dough. But I wouldn't suggest like freezing them if it doesn't say to and just baking them right away because you probably will end up with like less spread. So you might end up with like the hockey puck effect and versus like a nice flat one. Interesting. So always defrost it completely before baking it. Yes, unless the recipe says like specifically to chill the dough, I always say like try to get it as much to room temperature as you can. Got it. So I feel like a lot of it has to do with like temperature in general, right? So is there a difference between baking on just the bake or the convection bake? Yes, so there'd be a big difference for cookies because 
if you put on convection, you're essentially cooking the outside much, much faster than the inside, which at some of these bakeries, you know, like when their whole like vibe is like really gooey interiors, I suspect they're baking on convection. Right. So for any cookie recipe that doesn't specify, always default to no fan, like a regular oven, unless Mm -hmm. they say convection, because you will run the risk of the outside browning much faster than the inside has time to cook. Got it. Unless you're trying to achieve that, of course, right? Yeah, if you really want that, you could do a test one and it could be really like nice and gooey if that's what you like. Hey, it's Serena. I have a question. Is it better to weigh out the ingredients rather than measure it by cups? I always knew the importance of weighing, but like the past year writing this book, it is like such an extreme night and day, the quality of Mm -hmm. weighing versus using like volume. So in my book, a cup of flour is 128 grams. But if you did the scoop and like pack it in, it could be like 180 grams. It is really crazy. Like, and this applies to powdered sugar. It applies to so many other ingredients. So if you have a scale, really try to start using it. And what if you don't have a scale? So the one like huge takeaway from this experience, like when I'd send out recipes to testers, the first uh, like many, they kind of look like pucks versus mine, which were spreading. And I was so confused. So I made them bake it in front of me. And one of the biggest, biggest mistakes people make is they scoop into the flour and they pack it in on the side versus spooning it into a, a cup and leveling it off. It's kind of like this weird American baking system error in that, like, you know, my cup of flour versus someone else's could be significantly different just because right. how we're putting it in there. And so if you scoop versus spooning and leveling, it's like a third cup more flour per cup. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have three cups in a recipe, that's a whole extra cup. They're not going to spread. So essentially the rule of thumb I can think of is like the least amount of flour you can fit into a cup is good instead of the most, which seems counterintuitive. Wow. Okay. So definitely like scooping it is going to obviously pack it in a little bit more. So you want to spoon it into your cup. And level it off. Yeah. And it makes like a world's difference in the final product of cookies. So it was this whole thing in the book. I had like a meltdown, like no one's going to be able to bake these. (laughs) So my publisher let me write on every single page of the book, spooned and level flour. I love that because it's important. Is there a rule of thumb when converting a cookie recipe to make it vegan? I feel like converting a recipe is always tricky, right? Oh, yeah, totally. There's not like a general rule of thumb, but a huge takeaway that I learned is like, so butter is going to be maybe the trickiest one to swap out because butter is unique because you think of it as a fat, but it's water and fat. It's about 20% water, which is a lot. So... A lot of like recipes say like, oh, to make a vegan, use coconut oil or use this oil. But I wouldn't recommend that. Like if you're going to swap out the fat, try to get a vegan butter because it already has like the water calculated into it. Or you're going to have to do like an 80-20 conversion in your mind, which might get complicated. I feel like also if it's not meant to be a plant-based cookie, then maybe not try to convert it in general, right? Like maybe just look up a plant-based cookie recipe. I mean, like, from a recipe writer mind, I, I love that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I mean, because it, it's just like, I know that people like to take recipes and make it their own. And that's that's fine for savory, um, savory food. But 
for dessert, especially baking, it's very tricky to do that. Yeah, totally. Because even like if you swap out of eggs, it's kind of the same issue that eggs have like a quite a bit of water in them. So it's adding a lot of like complexities to the dough that say like a flax egg probably wouldn't. Right. Hi, this is Paul. My question is, if I'm out of brown sugar, can I just use more granulated sugar? Yes, so you totally can. The conversion's pretty easy. It's a cup of granulated sugar plus a tablespoon of molasses equals a cup of brown sugar. Uh, so that's light brown sugar. For dark brown sugar, you can use two times the molasses, so two tablespoons per cup of granulated. And it's important because brown the molasses is very acidic, so it actually reacts with the leavening agents. So it's not just flavor, it's actually that too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the big difference between granulated sugar and brown sugar is like you can think of brown sugar as like a reactant versus sugar is more neutral. It's not going to do anything to like the puffiness of your dough. Wow. Okay. So there actually is a scientific difference between how brown sugar reacts with the other ingredients. What is that actual difference? Yeah. So like if you look a lot of recipes that have like high proportions of brown sugar, use baking soda versus baking powder because the acid in the brown sugar reacts with the baking soda so it's like a sh- you know like science experiment. Uh-huh. So it, it instantly adds like aeration to your dough and makes them puffier. Awesome. So basically, you can substitute it. You might just get like a little bit of a different result. Yeah, you probably will. But brown sugar is a like a pretty easy swap. So I, I would feel safe saying you can do that little recipe. You're totally good. Love that. We'll be back with more questions after this short break. And we're back. So moving on to kind of away from the technicalities of cookies, I wanted to ask you about what you mentioned before, these like fun, different types of cookies that people don't think of. I I love this because I was looking at your Instagram and recently you posted a sweet potato cookie recipe, which I thought was so clever and amazing. And I love the idea of making a savory cookie I don't really know if they exist besides like crackers or like shortbread cookies can kind of be savory. But when I saw your sweet potato cookie recipe, I was like, oh, that's kind of like savory and sweet. So there's actually a whole savory cookie chapter in the book. It's the final chapter. So I wanted to like play around with that a lot. And shortbread dough, like you're saying, is like the one that's kind of prone to infusing like cheese and herbs and salty things into like with the sweet potato, snickerdoodle, it's kind of like hit this point that, you know, like in recipe development, you typically don't add wet ingredients to cookie dough because they'll make the dough too loose or it makes them puffy and cakey. Like throughout the process, I basically learned like if you brown butter and then you like scale back on eggs, you have a lot of room to add wet ingredients. So like fruits and like sweet potatoes and um, like wine and booze And it kind of opened up this whole idea for me, like, why don't we just add everything to cookie dough and, like, try it out? So there's, like, red wine cookie dough. There's... um, I love that. What does that taste like? Does it taste like red wine or does it kind of bake off that flavor and you just get the aromatics notes of the wine? It definitely does bake off. So it's a red wine chocolate brownie cookie. I believe it has two cups of wine that gets reduced to, like, one third, kind of like a syrup. So it's kind of like... 
tastes like a regular kind of dense fudgy chocolate brownie cookie with like a bit of like acidic tang. Love that. I love that. I got to try that recipe. Yeah, it's a fun one. I think it's on Food 52. Yeah, it is. Awesome. So we are listeners can go and look up the red wine cookie recipe. Yeah. What else savory type of cookie do you think is there? Like I I was trying to think of like different ideas. Mm. I love the sweet potato one because obviously sweet potatoes are kind of sweet too. But is there one that could be completely salty, like a salty cookie? Yeah, totally. There's there's actually a few. There's a Linzer cookie and like the dough is manchego cheese dough and then it's filled with quince paste. So that's like a really fun one. That sounds Um, amazing. Oh my gosh, I have to make that. Yeah, there's a thumbprint cookie that's like when I was a kid, I used to grow up like taking saltines, like cream cheese and pepper jelly. So it's like a cheese thumbprint cookie filled with cream cheese and pepper jelly. And like the cookie is rolled in crushed ritz beforehand. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And then is it kind of like there's a surprise center? Yeah. So like the top looks like the pepper jelly. And then like when you rip it open underneath the pepper jelly is the cream cheese. I love cookies that have surprises inside. Yeah, they're fun. I mean, cookies are like so silly. How about that one cookie that I've been seeing trending everywhere? It's the mochi filled cookies where, you know, you take a classic cookie dough recipe and you put mochi in the center. And then when you bake it, it like stretches. Okay, I, I haven't have made never, it yet. You I have, have never, never seen it. No. Oh my gosh. Now you have to see it because after I, after I started seeing it, I'm like dying to try it. Oh my God, that sounds so cool. Yeah. So like mochi kind of has that like sticky texture. So like the Instagram effect is that Mm. kind of pull. It kind of looks like cheese inside. So I thought that was kind of like a cool twist. Yeah, that's awesome. Hi, this is Connie. And my question is, are there any absolute no-nos when making cookies? I guess going back to it, like... Okay, so you make a cookie dough and you want to add things to it, like, I don't know, like candy or like uh, chopped chocolate or pretzels, whatever, like, cool, go for it. But then stop when your ingredients get wet, because that's what's going to cause a a cakey cookie, cakey in an implicit way, because like cookies are like fat plus ingredients, you can think of it that way. And then cake is like liquid plus dry ingredients. So it's going to taste like cake. So if you want to play around, make sure your stuff is very dry that you're adding to it. Right. You want to be able to kind of like form the dough, right? When it comes to cookie dough. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you do like chopped berries or something, it's going to make your dough like way too like puffy. Is there a way that you can make cookies on the stovetop? Like, do you need to have an oven to make cookies? Okay. That's a fascinating prompt. Um, This was a question from me, by the way, because I was like, you know, some places in the world, they don't have ovens in their kitchen. I feel like this is like an idea I, sh- I should work towards. <laughs> I feel like it would be like a really smart recipe. Yeah, I wonder if like you do like a tiny skillet cookie, if you could almost like cover the top and like just turn it so, so low on the heat that it could. I really do wonder. Right. And then you could just add some water. Like, you know how the souffle pancakes are really big right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, souffles are obviously normally baked, but they do it on the stovetop by like adding a little water with the... Um, you know, putting a lid on it and letting it kind of like steam in there. So I'm wondering if there's like a cookie you could do like that as well. I bet, yeah. Or even if you put like the cookies in like ramekins and steamed it, I bet it could be really good. That's a new uh, task for you, Jesse. Yeah, right. (laughs) You're going to see like my viral recipe and I'm going to steal your idea. Hey, you know, I'm just prompting you. (laughs) (laughs) You're offering it up. Okay. I have to ask, of course, 
What is your favorite cookie ever? All-time favorite. I actually know. So there's not a chocolate chip cookie recipe in the whole book because I think that there's already like many perfect ones. And my absolute favorite is by Taro Brady. And she just calls them, she said, I think it's a great basic chocolate chip cookies. So they're in her book and they're also online and they don't require a mixer. And there's nothing like fancy or pretentious in the dough whatsoever. It gets a little bit salt on top, but that's it. And they are just like, so perfect. So if anyone wants like a chocolate chip cookie, I always say just do hers, forget mine. Hers is like already perfect. So that's your favorite cookie, chocolate chip cookie. Specifically hers because oh. it's like, okay, so she uses melted butter. So she doesn't aerate. She's not like whipping it and making them uh, puffy or anything. And then I actually talked to her like at length about this recipe. And she said that she was trying to mimic the texture of a brownie, which really made sense when she said that because she uses melted butter. And it makes sense also because... I really love that like dense texture and I don't love the like like puffy crisp edge cookie texture. So it's like this makes sense why I love it. Speaking of which, you said something about the mixer and the melted butter. Can you kind of touch more upon that? Like is there a way to make cookies without having to stay at mixer all the time? Yeah, so like I'd say maybe 75% of my book doesn't require a mixer. And it relies on melted butter. And it's because I like that texture. I like that like fudgy, almost like blondy like center. So if you, yeah, if you use melted butter, it's just the same exact thing, but it doesn't have extra air in it. So you're just going to have to compensate by like bumping up the leavening agents for the baking soda, baking powder, just to compensate for that. But then it's also cool because I'm getting like really nerdy now. Basically like leaveners can only hold so much weight. So like with this technique, they'll puff up and then they'll deflate when they come out, which makes them like even fudgier. Love that. Love that. So what cookies are you baking for the holidays, Jesse? Oh, gosh. What am I baking? <laughs> it's it's so funny because um, uh, my friend who like styled the book with me, Ben, we just styled a whole cookie package like, I don't know, two weeks ago. And now we're all both like, oh, gosh, we need a retirement for cookies for a few weeks. <laughs> the sweet taste snicker will be good. And then also there's salted brown butter Tossies, which is like a very, very old school cookie, which is essentially like a tiny little pie in cookie form. So I feel like that'd be a really good one, too. What, can you elaborate more on that? What is that? A tiny yeah. little pie in cookie form? That looks that sounds amazing. Yeah, it's like super like old school. It's you make this like cream cheese dough that's kind of like a arugula meets pie dough situation. And you push it into um, muffin tins, like tiny ones. And you fill it with like that classic like gooey pecan mixture topped with a few more pecans and then bake it and you just like pop them out and eat them like cookies. I love that. Oh my gosh. Fascinating. I don't think I've ever had that cookie. So I didn't either. And then my mom suggested it because she loves them. And I was like, oh, these are really cool. I love that. Now I got to look it up. Hi, this is Jackie. My question is, do you have any tips on shipping cookies? Should I bake them before shipping or would it be better to freeze the cookie dough and send it before baking? I could see that working really nicely, actually. Yeah, freezing them and ice packing them could work really nice because even if they defrost a bit, like I was saying, that's kind of what you want. So I think that's cool. Yeah, you can like make them freeze them and just add a note saying like bring these to room temp before baking could be really cool. But if you do want to bake them beforehand, um, I was talking to someone recently and it's basically just like maybe it sounds obvious. It's like the garlicky spatula like of it all, but like don't put savory ones next to like sweet ones because it will like perfume the whole box. Oh, right. 
Wait, speaking of garlicky cookies, have you made a garlicky cookie? That sounds so good. It sounds like my type of cookie. I'm more of a savory person. So that's why I keep asking these like savory cookie questions because I kind of want to make one this year. Mm. Yeah, there's uh, there's a couple that have garlic in the book. There's like a there's a cacio pepe cookie, which I know it doesn't have garlic in it, but I took a little liberty and I put some garlic in it. Um, and it's a slice of baked cookie. So it's a shortbread with cheese in it. And then like you roll the whole log and black pepper and then slice it and some garlic in it. It's really good. That sounds so good. And great for like a cheese board. Too. Totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. like some like little like aperitif snacks. Jesse, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I feel like I learned so much. Do you have any final words of wisdom that you could share? Honestly, my I'm going to like make t-shirts that says like spoon and spoon and level your flour. <laughs> Spoon and level, spoon and level. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I will leave everyone with. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for this conversation. If our listeners want to find you, where can they see your work? Where can they follow you at? So my social media and my website is just my name, which maybe doesn't make it easier. It's Jesse Shevchik, S-Z-E-W-C-C-Y-K. Um, and you can get the book anywhere. Wow. Thank you so much, Jesse. This was awesome. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I'm honored to talk all cookies with you. Thanks to everyone for your incredible cookie questions. And thank you to Jesse Shevchik for helping to answer them. And if your mouth was watering as much as mine when Jesse mentioned his red wine brownie cookies, you can listen to him bake his way through the recipe on Food52's podcast, Play Me a Recipe. If you have any more questions that you're dying to know the answer to, remember to leave me a message at 518-291-9877. Hotline Offline is a Food 52 podcast and is produced by Coral Lee and Harry Sultan. Remember to follow so no questions go unanswered and no answer goes unheard. Bye. Bye.